I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What makes a murderer's mind tick? Killer Psyche is a true crime podcast from Wondery that explores these types of questions about the crimes that killers and criminals commit. Killer Psyche covers high-profile cases that shocked the world, and host Candice DeLong uses her five decades of experience as a clinical psychiatric nurse and FBI criminal profiler to dissect the motivations and behaviours of the most terrifying felons in history. And you'll definitely want to listen to a recent episode of Killer Psyche, where Candice looks into the mysterious murder of Ted Ammon, a wealthy Wall Street financier. Ted had been going through a divorce with his wife of 13 years, Jenna Rosa, and child custody and millions in assets were at stake. Jenna Rosa and her new boyfriend, Danny Pelosi, were the prime suspects, but Jenna Rosa died of cancer before police could prove her involvement. In 2004, Danny was convicted of second-degree murder, but still maintains his innocence. How does hatred drive a person to murder the father of their children? Listen to Killer Psyche on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or you can listen to One Week ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. It began on June 12, 1966, with a string of strange messages intercepted by the Brazilian Navy between three ham radio operators broadcasting from somewhere within the state of Rio de Janeiro in the southeast of Brazil. As the Navy listened in with interest, it was hard to understand exactly what the men were saying, not because it was difficult to hear, but rather because... Without any context, the conversation was completely bizarre. It seemed the men were, with all seriousness, discussing plans for an imminent attempt to access another dimension. The following day, fishermen off the coast of Atafona Beach in São João de Barra, roughly 300 kilometers northeast of Rio de Janeiro, were startled by an intensely bright flash in the sky 
followed moments later by the sound of a huge explosion that echoed far out over the waves. On land, the blast was so powerful, it rattled the windows of buildings up to 15 kilometers away, blowing many of them out completely. Those who witnessed the explosion described seeing an intensely luminous object appear in the sky from out of nowhere, then descend sharply into the sea before flying back into the air and exploding in a great ball of light. It was a month later, on Saturday, August 20th, in Niteroi, a vibrant coastal city just across the bay from Rio de Janeiro, when 18-year-old Jorge Alves de Costa was out flying his kite with friends on Mojo de Vintain, a conical forest-covered peak that rose sharply out of the city's eastern suburb. As the group made their way up the hill through the trees, Jorge smelt a rancid, sickly odour in the air. Curious to know where it was coming from, he followed it to a small clearing where he made a gruesome discovery. The bodies of two fully clothed men, lying side by side in the undergrowth on a bed of palm leaves, steadily decomposing as things wriggled and buzzed around their blackening faces. Back in 1963, after two years of political turmoil, triggered by the resignation of then-President of Brazil, Janio Quadros, a referendum had resulted in the effective election of João Goulart from the centre-left Brazilian Labour Party as the country's new president. Despite his popularity among the electorate, however, Goulart's ambitions to part-nationalise some of the country's largest companies was considered too much of an existential threat by Brazil's right-wing elites. In response, in 1964, the Brazilian armed forces, with the assistance of the United States government, overthrew Goulart's democratically elected government and established a military dictatorship in its place. Though the coup was relatively peaceful, the military's efforts to suppress dissidents and maintain power was anything but. As such, there was good reason to assume that the bodies of two well-dressed men found hidden in the undergrowth on the outskirts of Niteroi could well turn out to be victims of this cruel new reality. Within minutes of surveying the apparent crime scene, however, it quickly became clear to police that something far more bizarre was going on. You're listening to Unexplained, and I'm... Richard McLean Smith. Detective Saulo Gomez stepped into the clearing and asked his officers to hold back the small crowd of onlookers that had been steadily gathering as news of the grim discovery spread through the neighbourhood. Having first assumed a possible political motive, Gomez was surprised that no obvious cause of death could be found on the bodies. There were no bullet or knife wounds, and no signs of beating or strangulation. It seemed almost as though the men, each wearing a smart suit under cheap plastic raincoats, had simply fallen asleep. He wondered then if perhaps the pair had poisoned themselves in some kind of suicide pact. This theory seemed as good as any, going by the empty glass bottle and sheet of laminated paper curled into a cone cup 
that was found next to them. But what then of the bizarre metal objects they found there too? Though there was no knowing what they were exactly, it seemed reasonable to assume they were some kind of eye mask, shaped like sunglasses without arms, and made entirely from lead. Then one of the officers handed a series of notes to the detective that were also found at the scene, and that was when things got really weird. The first contained a series of rudimentary equations, which were identified as relating to Ohm's law and the science of resistance and conductance. On the second was written the following. Sunday, one tablet after the meal. Monday, one tablet in the morning on an empty stomach. Tuesday, one tablet after a meal. Wednesday, one tablet before bed. And on the third, even more cryptically, it said, at 4.30pm, be in the agreed place. At 6.30pm, swallow the capsule after the effect. Protect the metals. Wait for signal mask. Going by the IDs found at the scene, the men were quickly identified as 34-year-old Miguel José Vierna and 32-year-old Manuel Pireda de Cruz from Campos dos Goytacazes, a city roughly 250 kilometres northeast from where they were found. To make things even more confusing, a bag containing approximately 157,000 cruzeros roughly equivalent to 300 US dollars in today's money, was also found at the scene, with another 4,000 cruzeros found in one of the men's pockets. As it transpired, both men were electronics experts who worked together in a TV and radio repair shop and had been friends for some time. Both, sadly, were also married with young children. According to their wives... Both had left Campos on the morning of Wednesday, August the 17th, claiming they were heading to Sao Paulo to collect some electronics equipment and possibly buy a second-hand car. Miguel's wife verified that the pair had left with over 2 million cruceros between them for the trip, just under 5,000 US dollars in today's money, which would appear to fit with their stated intentions. When asked about the strange masks, Manuel's wife Donna remembered seeing her husband trying it on for size a few days before he left, but had no idea what it was for. After finding bus tickets in the men's clothes, it appeared they boarded a bus together at Campos bus station at 9am on the Wednesday, before disembarking for some reason in Niteroy at 2.30pm. From there, they visited an electronic store called Fluoscop, located at number 13, Traves Alberto Vitor, right in the city centre. After being shown pictures of the men, the store's owner had no trouble recalling them, since he remembered vividly that they'd only come in to make a phone call, adding that both of them appeared calm and relaxed at the time. A torrential storm had then opened up over the city, which would explain why the men were then spotted in a clothing store, buying raincoats a short time later. By then, however, around 3.30pm, the men appeared to be in a serious hurry, 
not even waiting to put the coats on before dashing back out into the rain. It had just gone 4.35pm when Miguel and Manuel, now wearing their raincoats, dashed into Das Helvas, a small bar on Avenida Marquez de Parana, not far from the bottom of Mojo de Vintain. There, as the owner of the bar recounted to the police, Miguel ordered a bottle of magnesium-infused water, constantly checking his watch, as if urgently waiting for something. Manuel also looked anxious to leave as soon as possible. After buying the water, Miguel asked the owner for a receipt, saying he intended to bring the bottle back to collect the deposit for it. This revelation left Detective Gomez inclined to rule out suicide completely. From the bar, the men were thought to have then made the journey into the hills on foot, staying up there until they died. All this new information was a good start at least, but ultimately left Detective Gomez with even more questions than he began with. For example, if the men had left with over two million cruceros between them, how was it that despite only buying a bottle of water and two raincoats, were they found with only roughly 130,000 cruceros between them? A possible answer came when it was discovered that the bodies of the men had in fact been found two days before, on Thursday the 18th, by another teenager who was hunting for sparrows at the time. The boy claimed to have informed a local officer named Antonio Guerra, who it appeared had simply sat on the information. Guerra was promptly put under investigation and accused of stealing the missing money. It isn't known exactly how this played out, but reports suggest that this theory was eventually dismissed. And then there was the bed of palm leaves that the men had been found lying on. The thick pile of palms had been cut from the surrounding trees with a sharp implement, but no such tool was found at the scene, all of which gave Detective Gomez good reason to believe that someone else had been involved in the deaths. With Detective Gomez pinning his hopes on the autopsy, revealing at least a cause of death, he was disappointed to discover that neither of the bodies could be kept in cold storage due to a combination of a backlog of cases in the district and broken refrigeration units. When the autopsy was eventually carried out, the bodies had deteriorated so much it was impossible to gauge anything concrete. In the end... The coroner declared to the best of his abilities that the men had suffered no burns or trauma and perhaps most unexpectedly had not been poisoned. Their deaths were recorded simply as the result of a cardiac arrest due to an unknown cause. Then on August 26th, as if things couldn't get any more bizarre, another incredible story came to light. It came from a Senora Coutinho de Sousa, who lived close to the hill where the men were found. De Sousa, who was a well-known personality in the local area, had not wanted to come forward for fear of ridicule, but was convinced to share her story after reading about the police's travails with the case. Her story began in the evening of August 17th, 
The same night, the men were believed to have died on Mojo de Vintain. It was then that she was driving her three children home, close to the foot of Mojo de Vintain, when they were all drawn to the sight of a strange oval object sitting low above the trees at the top of the hill. De Sousa described it as being mostly orange, with what looked like a band of fire around the edges, with numerous rays of light shooting out from its surface in all directions. Transfixed by the sight of it, de Sousa quickly pulled the car over, then watched the object with her children for a good few minutes as it rose up and down a number of times above the trees before vanishing completely. One lesser-known fact about Unexplained is that it actually started life as a website built through Squarespace, which I heard about from an advert on one of my favourite podcasts. Having no idea where to even begin with publishing my own, it was only when I realised how easy it would be with Squarespace that I finally went ahead and did it. Whether you're a dreamer, a maker or simply a doer, Squarespace can provide you with all the tools you need to bring your creative ideas to life. With their dynamic all-in-one platform, you can build a website, claim a domain, sell online and instantly begin marketing your brand. Combining cutting-edge design and world-class engineering, with Squarespace you have the ability to customise the look and feel, settings, products and more with just a few clicks. And when you create your website, you'll get free unlimited hosting, top-of-the-line security and dependable resources to help you succeed. There'll be nothing to patch or upgrade ever and 24-7 award-winning customer support always on hand whenever you need it. Go to squarespace.com forward slash unexplained for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code unexplained to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. The case took a further twist the day after de Sousa's revelations when police arrested a man named Elcio Gomez, a friend of Miguel and Manuel's, who'd been seen arguing with them shortly before they died. Although Gomez was able to provide a solid alibi for his whereabouts at the time, what he eventually revealed to the Niteroy detectives made the hair stand up on the back of their necks. The two men, according to Gomez, considered themselves scientific spiritualists who were also part of a secret society with unknown aims. Both, he said, had regularly attended seances and maintained a clandestine ham radio station in the city of Glicerio, over which they frequently discussed their plans and ideas. And then there was the mysterious explosion of June 13th, the month before the men died, As Gomez explained, back then, Manuel and Miguel had invited a number of friends down to Atafona Beach that day to watch the results of an experiment they'd been working on. Within minutes of arriving at the beach, the explosion occurred. Gomez was adamant that whatever Manuel and Miguel had been doing caused the explosion. The police then interviewed Miguel's niece, who appeared to corroborate some of Elcio Gomez's bizarre statement. The niece bumped into Miguel and Manuel on the Wednesday they left for Niteroy. When she asked them where they were going, the men replied to Sao Paulo, 
to buy a car, just as they had told their wives. But when the niece pressed them on it, Miguel eventually conceded that this wasn't the whole reason for their trip. He then told her, shortly before heading off, that although he couldn't say what it was exactly, he hoped that by the time they returned, they would know if spiritism was everything they had been led to believe it was. As the police soon discovered, both Manuel and Miguel, curiously, along with many other members of the local electronics industry, were followers of the religious and philosophical doctrine of spiritism. The doctrine was established by French educator Hippolyte Léon Denizard Rivaille in 1850 as a more scientifically minded offshoot of spiritualism, which had been established only a decade before. Where spiritualism advocates that we are surrounded by spirits of the dead with whom we can communicate as a matter of course, Rivaille, who wrote under the nom de plume Alain Kardec, saw this much more as a fundamental principle of God's universe. In short, according to Rivaille, our universe is in fact comprised of two worlds, one of spirit and one of matter existing side by side, with the visible world of matter being where we live, and the world of spirit, essentially another dimension, being where souls dwell. At some point in the late 19th century, Rivai's teachings became hugely popular in Brazil, where communication with this spirit world is seen as a vital part of the process for being both physically and spiritually healthy. For Manuel and Miguel, and other followers of the religion, a typical spiritism meeting would even involve preaching the religion's doctrine directly to the spirits believed to exist in the other realm. A few days after the bodies were found, police searching Miguel's home workshop discovered remnants of the lead piping from which they'd made their strange masks, but also a book titled Scientific Spiritism with a passage marked by Miguel regarding masks intense luminosity and accompanying spirits. All of which suggested the staggering possibility that the men had perhaps conceived of a way in which they might be able to access this other world and then attempted to put it into practice out on the top of Mojo de Vintain. Not long after news of Signora de Sousa's apparent sighting of a strange luminous object seen above Morro de Vinten, numerous others came forward claiming to have seen the exact same thing. Before long, people began offering explanations about what exactly had taken place. Yoga teacher Kayo Miranda believed the men had accidentally overdosed on LSD or mescaline which he said were commonly used by followers of spiritism in an effort to communicate with the spiritual plane through the use of high-frequency thought waves. In a similar vein, Father Oscar Gonzalez Covedo, a prominent Brazilian scholar of occultism and parapsychology, suggested the men had in fact died after attempting to access the light source from another world in the hope that it would stimulate their third eyes. This feat, according to him, 
could be achieved through a combination of fasting and psychotropic drug use, both of which were hinted at in one of the notes found with the bodies of the deceased. Another, slightly more grounded theory was that the men were working to build an atomic bomb or were involved in a smuggling ring to help gather components for such a weapon, the idea being that the men had perhaps taken something to counteract the effects of radiation poisoning, but had then poisoned themselves in the process. Either way, for Detective Gomez, it seemed increasingly likely that someone else had been involved in the men's deaths, who was still at large. This theory was given even more weight when it was found that although the handwriting in those strange notes was Miguel's, the style was not. Clearly, according to police, the men had been given the instructions by somebody else. This led Detective Gomez to also consider the possibility that the two men had been fooled into participating in something by one of their spiritism associates, who'd then later robbed them when things had gone wrong. With no new developments for the best part of a year, It was sometime in August 1967 that another witness came forward. Security guard Raulino Germatos was working a spot near to the bottom of Mojo de Vinten back on the night of Wednesday, August 17th in 1966 when he apparently saw two men matching Manuel and Miguel's description arrive at the spot in a jeep. He claimed also to see a blonde-haired man in the driver's seat and a further two passengers in the back, along with the deceased. The security guard claimed to have then seen Manuel and Miguel leave the vehicle before heading up into the trees and disappearing from sight shortly after. In light of this new information, the bodies were dug up on August 25th and given a second autopsy by order of the local prosecutor. Sadly, however, no further information was ascertained. The following year, however, in June 1968, a radiochemical analysis was finally carried out on samples of the deceased's hair, which determined at least that the deaths had not been caused by the ingestion of either of the foremost common poisons used to kill, arsenic, mercury, barium or thallium, throwing the suicide theory even further into doubt. Then, In February 1969, police received word from infamous underworld figure Hamilton Benzani, who was serving over 50 years in a São Paulo prison at the time, that he had something to confess. A representative was duly sent from the police to hear what he had to say. As his story went, Benzani was lying low in Rio de Janeiro when he was approached by three men who introduced themselves only with the nicknames Espanol, Wilson Alamo and Acasio, and offered him a large sum of money to help them do a job, as he put it, in Niteroy. After agreeing to the offer, Benzani said he escorted the men to the city, where they got in a taxi before later changing into a private car, with which he drove them all to a nearby spiritualist centre. Inside the centre, Benzani was introduced to Miguel and Manuel, who he was told later were the intended targets of the job. After participating in a seance together, 
Benzani then claimed that he, along with Espanol, Wilson Alamo and Acasio, and the owner of the Spiritism Centre, drove with Miguel and Manuel to the bottom of Morro de Vintain. Once there, Benzani was ordered to stay in the car, while the others forced Miguel and Manuel out at gunpoint, before ushering them up the hill. Half an hour later, according to Benzani, the group then returned without Manuel and Miguel, carrying a bundle of money they'd stolen from the two men. Hamilton Benzani's story was neat enough, and for someone unlikely to have heard much about the finer details of the case, not least of all the security guards claimed that he'd seen the two men arrive at the bottom of the hill in a jeep, accompanied by a number of other people, it had some credibility. To many others, however, it was all a little too neat. Either the police had simply made up the story from scratch in an effort to finally close the case, or Benzani, who was serving 50 years in prison at the time, had spun them a tale in an effort to reduce his sentence. With little else to go on, however, the case was eventually closed in May 1969. All in all, it is certainly one of the more bizarre and extraordinary unexplained deaths of recent times, with explanations ranging from the mundane to the truly out there. And at the centre of it all, the enigma of those strange, indecipherable lead masks. Not long after the case was closed, something else came to light that had somehow been missed all those years before. Another unexplained death, this time involving a man named Hermes Luiz Feitosa, who was also a radio and TV technician and had been found dead in a similar area of Niteroi on a hill called Mojo do Crozero. It was said that Feitosa had gone out to the hills to utilise psychic skills that he hoped would enable him to pick up radio and television signals with just the power of his mind. And found by his side, when his body was finally discovered, was a single, thick, lead mask. After next week's extra episode, Unexplained will be taking a short mid-season break. We'll return with episode 10 on Friday, March 5th. If you enjoy Unexplained and would like to help supporters, you can now do so via Patreon. To receive access to ad-free episodes, just go to patreon.com forward slash unexplained pod to sign up. Unexplained the book and audiobook featuring 10 stories that have never before been covered on the show, is now available to buy worldwide. You can purchase through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Waterstones, among other bookstores. All elements of Unexplained, including the show's music, are produced by me, Richard McLean Smith. Please subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen to podcasts, and feel free to get in touch with any thoughts or ideas regarding the stories you've heard on the show. Perhaps you have an explanation of your own you'd like to share. You can reach us online at unexplainedpodcast.com or Twitter at unexplainedpod and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash unexplainedpodcast.
If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Su. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.